Welcome to Fast Talk, everyone. This is your source for the science of cycling performance. I'm your host, Chris Case. As promised, today in episode 106, we bring in Dr. Steven Seiler, one of our favorite guests and one of the world's preeminent exercise physiologists. Today, we're going to discuss how to adjust your training now that the world is in a chronic state of disruption. Obviously, this is new territory for all of us. There's a lot of uncertainty as to when the situation will improve. As such, we don't always know what the best answers are. So we're going to give you a lot of different ideas and opinions today. Ultimately, you'll need to find what works for you and your circumstances. We start our discussion by addressing the need to face the reality of this situation. We then dive into our recommendations for reframing your goals given your new focus. We'll touch upon planning the rest of your season based upon those new goals. Finally, we'll address the immunological repercussions of training, which are particularly important in the present time. As a bonus, we'll also hear what Dr. Seiler has on his playlist during Zwift races. No, it ain't Jay-Z. Speaking of Dr. Seiler, we have some incredible news. In the coming days, check our social media feeds. We are at Real Fast Labs across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Check there for information on riding on Zwift this Thursday, April 9th, with Trevor, with me, and with Dr. Seiler. We'll do a bit of racing, then you'll have the chance to chat with us for more advice on training. We'll provide links in our social media feeds to the course and to the exact time. Again, that's on April 9th. Disruption. It's everywhere. It's time to adjust. Let's make you fast. I'm sitting here in my house in Niwot, Colorado. Dr. Seiler, you're in Norway. What uh, what setting are we talking to you from? I, I'm in my home, in my home office. I've consolidated my uh, university office and my home office. All the equipment is now kind of squeezed onto one into one office. And uh, so I'm feeling super geeky right now, but I am, um, I'm just like you guys. I'm, I'm in this uh, quarantine situation, you know, and not to make light of the situation, but we've all in some way been disrupted. Our, our lives have been disrupted. Our, our hobbies have been disrupted. Um, some, some people far more than, than us, we, we're pretty fortunate in that we just have to move a few things to our home offices to, to produce some podcasts and talk about things. But, uh, yeah, today's show is really about how that disruption has impacted, uh, the sport that we love, the cycling that we love to do both for physical reasons and for mental reasons and how to adjust that so that we can deal with, um, this disruption most effectively and constructively. We've spoken several times now with Dr. Julie Emmerman, the psychologist who's given us great insights on how to deal with the, the mental aspect of uh, loss, disappointment, uncertainty. But today is really focusing on uh, the training side of this, the physiological side of this to some degree. So let's, let's jump into it. And I, I think we talked about some of this with Julie, but I think this is worth repeating that before you can really figure out how you're going to adjust, how you're going to adapt, there is an important thing that as a coach, you deal with this with all cyclists. Normally it's they've been injured or something's happened that they have to miss their events. And the first thing the athlete always has to do that I think really applies here is face the reality. You have to face the situation, face the loss. And it's okay to feel loss. Uh, you know, all my athletes that I'm working with, they just put in a ton of work all through the base season, all through the winter, getting ready for this season. They were really excited. They, they were happy with the work they've done. And now this, this thing, this, it's, it's, it's like waiting for Christmas and then having Christmas be canceled the thing that they have been preparing for for so long isn't going to happen. And there is a sense of loss and, and that's okay. I like that analogy, Trevor. This is, um, 
the, the presents have been swept out from underneath your Christmas tree. You walk downstairs and they're all gone and, and you don't know where they went to really. And you don't know when they're com- coming back. My daughter, some of you, I think we previously talked that she's the only athlete I coach and she's a runner and, and we managed to compete in probably the last, or she managed to compete in the last major European road race, which was in uh, the Hague in the Netherlands. She did a half marathon and had a, fantastic new personal best and you know that was like going to be the kickoff of uh, a great season and then we come home and we're both thrust into a 14-day quarantine because we've traveled internationally and and from there it's just gone all downhill and she has she kind of just fell apart you know she because she is a person that likes structure. She's got all these goals and, and everything. And, and it, all that uncertainty, all of that inability to control her situation, you know, she wants to control her situation as a lot of athletes do. It was all gone. And so she's had to really, um, you know, bite the bullet and, and, and kind of go back to zero. Uh, but it, it, it did a number on her both that combined with university studies and, you know, just, so everything just kind of, she felt like it was all conspiring against her. And, and then we have to remember, wait a minute now, <laughs> this sport stuff is, is important. Yeah. But in the big scheme of things, well, hmm, it's not that important. Yes. There are bigger things going on right now than bike racing. And it's been great to hear some of the pros where this is their livelihood saying, you know what, this is okay that the season's been canceled. There are bigger things going on. But the flip side of that is exactly what you're saying with your daughter, which is for most of us, this is how we keep in balance. This is, this is how we keep some enjoyment, some accomplishment in life. And I am a big believer that you can't help others until unless you are doing something to maintain balance in yourself and if you lose that balance it's very hard to be productive it's very hard to help others it's very hard to be part of the the solution here so even though there are bigger things going on i think it is very important for all of our listeners to make sure you adjust so you're still giving yourself that that balance that's what I really want to get at with this episode is the season might be over. You, you might not have the races that you'd hoped to have, but you still need to satisfy that thing that was giving you balance. And I think, and I think we're going to end up talking about maybe two aspects of this, this issue. One is, okay, how do we adjust the training process? Because it's kind of, it's it's maybe wrong to do certain kinds of training uh, now if you don't have a peak that you're working towards. It's energetically too costly and too much risk and all this. Uh, so that's the one issue that we're going to try to think through some of those uh, aspects. But then there's that other a- issue which you're kind of touching on, and that is, hey, we need an outlet for stress. I, we need to get some testosterone flowing and some lactate pumping. And, and, and so we got to balance those two things is smart training that is adjusted to the new situation, but also a vent we've got, there's gotta be a, not, not these ventilators that we're talking so much about, but a, um, you know, uh, a release valve. We need a release valve for stress. Uh, of having to be inside and you know out of our normal routine and and, and sometimes that's going to be some you know high intensity exercise high intensity training whatever it might be racing on swift let's dive into that a little bit more because i think uh in, in large part at least in the united states um right now and certainly the 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 professionals would have been ramping up for really big races right now so what are some of the ways that people can scratch that itch, so to speak, to get out uh, into a competitive environment safely um, or hit some uh, targets, whether it's Strava or otherwise, 
that help with this aspect of refocusing? So to me, number one and first off is setting goals. As a coach, I am very biased towards goals are motivating. Goals give structure. You always need to have goals. But I actually think right now it's as important, if not more important, to reframe your goals. And the example I will give, I worked with an athlete many years ago. She really wanted to race Canadian nationals. She was an up-and-coming cyclist. She, had never, you know, she was very new. She had never been to nationals before. Her base season was going very well. And then in the early spring on the bike trail, she got hit by a guy and, and twisted her ankle 90 degrees to the side, completely snapped the bone. And that was devastating for her. She was obviously off the bike for a while. But she actually just got more focused on, I am going to get to nationals. And that goal was so motivating for her for her six weeks off the bike while she was in a cast, she was going to the gym every day and spending an hour to two hours on the hand cycle. I'm not sure that did anything for her, but I never stopped it just because you could see the drive, you could see the motivation, how much that goal got her through this injury. And once the cast was off, she got back on the bike and she actually went to nationals. And for her first time going to nationals, she had a really good race. But, I, you know, that's a great example. And, and, we, and so many times we've seen athletes that have managed to come back from injury and, and make it to the big event. But we're in a different situation now because that event that she had six months six months down the road that she could really target. I, we don't know if there will be an event in six months. Which is a, a really good point. And so my response to that would be, I, I think the lesson from her is how much having a goal can get you through tough times. My suggestion then is to try a different type of goal. So I, I wrote this down beforehand and, and we can dive into these, but I, I wrote up the different types of, of goals that you can set. One is novel targets. Since you might not have an event, maybe you target a, a Strava KOM or the highest CTL you've ever hit or a new threshold power. These are all things that you can do on the trainer and measure yourself. Uh, you could set fitness goals. I, you know, there, there might be an aspect of your fitness that you've has always been a a weakness that you you want to improve. You you want to get better at time trialing, or you want to be a better sprinter. There can, for me, just be stress relief goals. Just that's what I'm doing right now. Of I'm going to get on Zwift a little more and just go and throttle myself because I need it. Also, I put down tertiary goals. Maybe now's a good time to improve that flexibility, work on your core strength, do a little uh, more uh, strengthening work if you can do that at home. Another one that I would add to this list since uh, people are staying closer to home is working on, and again, this isn't so much physiological as, as just working on technical skills, you know, go out and practice technical things that are maybe closer to home and you could do it by yourself and just the repetition of it is possible right now and you you work on whether it's cornering or i don't know wheelies for that matter but that's another goal i would add here yeah if you're allowed to ride outside right there Correct. are place, places in the world where you'll you'll almost get thrown in jail so uh, we have to be cautious on, on what we recommend there for the moment but I, I made a little video on YouTube uh, maybe 10 days ago about when this got started, and it was about some balancing issues, and, and these are relevant for these, these different new goals that we're going to try to adjust to and, and, and adapt. Uh, you know, when we get pushed inside, one of the things that's happening, if I remember the list of mine, if I, if I really talk physiologically, we got to remember that cyclists are already not terribly in a terribly good situation when it comes to bone health yes a person an elite cyclist does not do a whole lot of the kinds of activities that that stress and support bone health bone density uh and and that's even perhaps even worse right now for all of us indoors 
because we're not getting very many walking steps per day. I know I'm not, you know, and so I'm getting on the bike. I was just on the bike for a couple of hours before this, but that's not much of a load on bones. So I would recommend to people if, you know, do some jump rope, do some, you know, kinds of jumping bone where, you, you know, you, these kinds of um, ballistic activities, we need a little bit of that because it is disappearing when we're forced indoors. Uh, so that would be one balance issue that I would think about. Another is just um, in this indoor setting, we do not get much stimuli for on balance, on core stability, you know, uneven terrain, all these kinds of stimuli of, that help to train the neuromuscular system. Like, so I try to compensate for that now by going about a hundred meters over where there's an elementary school and, and the playground and the, the school is closed. The playground's empty for the most part, but there are a lot of apparatus there that, that I can use to just stimulate balance and, you know, different strength exercises, core stability, all of that stuff to kind of compensate for the, the very repetitive motion that cyclists already do a lot of, well, now we have even less compensating movements that, that you know, because we're just not getting it in, in our daily activities. So I would think about that, you know, in terms of goal setting to make sure that we're, we don't end up creating even more fragile cyclists in the next six months because of the, the one-sidedness to the training. I think that's a fantastic point. And, and the couple of things I would add to that, I, I've personally brought back lunge jumps into my, my exercise routine, which is that uh, I basically do a walk where every step I sink down into a, a single leg lunge and then I, I jump out of it and, and get that little bit of ballistic training. I think that's good strength work. Uh, and as you said, it, it helps that, that bone health. The, the other thing I would add this is a good time if you have rollers to spend time on the rollers. And if you don't have rollers, this is a good time to order a set. And, and if you're going to be spending a lot of time on the bike indoors, make sure it's not all locked into a trainer, but some of it's on, on rollers where you really do have to keep your balance. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. And then uh, you can combine my idea about technical skills with your idea with rollers and bunny, bunny hop on and off of the rollers, <laughs> do some workouts that way. And of course, then you'd fall a lot. So you'd help with bone density. Well, hopefully you wouldn't break your bones, but you would test your bone. density. You would te there you go. That's the way to put it. You would test your bone density. You know, guys, when I was in college, I had a, I had rollers and I had a, my, a dorm room. I actually had two dorm rooms because I was something called an assistant hall manager and they didn't have a, a reasonable apartment for me. So they just gave me two adjacent dorm rooms. <laughs> and so I used the one for, you know, sleeping and the other for recreation. And, and I had the rollers and the television in the one, but it, a guy, a country boy on rollers that is not terribly good at it and a television right in the vicinity is not necessarily a great combination. So mm. I, just I just remember a couple of times doing an involuntary bunny hop. So I, I would just recommend for those of us that are in our mid-50s that maybe are not terribly super technical right now that we clear away any kind of... <laughs> any kind of Glass objects, keepsakes, uh, artwork, things like that, uh, that that would easily be destroyed when a 80 plus kilo body starts flying through the air. That is excellent, excellent advice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, yes. Just the one thing we do not want to recommend here is anything that's going to add to the hospital load. Yeah. All jokes aside, that is uh, that's true. So I'm probably not going to get the rolling prize. <laughs> I, I think it's great that you recommend it, but I'm not doing it. I'm getting a trials bike. I'm going to be Danny McCaskill by the end of the summer. 
I remember the first time I ever got into rollers and just falling over to the side and slamming into the ground pretty hard. <laughs> I learned keep a, a chair or something right beside the rollers that you can grab hold of really quick. It is important that we, we balance some different issues. We, we've talked a little bit about core stability, about bone health, about you know strength. The other, another thing is, of course, cyclists always have to think about muscle imbalances because we tend to be you tend to have tight hip flexors you know you don't you don't extend completely so more than any time now is important to do something you talked about which is stretching you know reversing extending the body kind of getting out of that cycling position as much as possible i think that's going to be important even more when you don't walk around, you don't have those ADLs, activities of daily living that help you um, compensate. Um, so that balance. And then another balance issue is just energy balance. You can cycle three hours on the bike, but if you're sitting on your butt the rest of the day, it, you can end up actually being in a situation where we're, we're not burning as many calories as we think we are. And maybe that's okay if we go up a few kilos, but, but just have that in the back of your head. Uh, eventually, you're going to kind of want to be back in balance. But uh, we may have to think a little bit about what we're eating in the next few months. I normally never think about what I eat, but right now I feel like I probably need to. Yeah, in some ways, uh, all of these things are, is, again, disrupted because... It, depending on your situation, food might be more more available if you're always at home and you can just walk downstairs from your home office and eat stuff or and you're not like I am not commuting to and from work every day at all. So um, that's a, a big change for me. So yeah, all of these things are 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 quite different and can add up to significant changes overall in in who you are as an athlete or, or your your body composition, those types of things as a whole. And just, you know, I don't think we want to dive deep into the, the diet side, but this is a time you want to keep your immune system strong. And this is a good time to be reaching for fruits or vegetables, not the, the bag of Cheetos or chips. Yeah. Exactly. It's not all bad. I mean, this doesn't have to be all bad because you, you touched on this, uh, Trevor, is that we can um, shore up some, some weaknesses. We can, you know, like if, if you take my daughter again, as an example, when we looked at all this, I said, okay, you know what, we're going to drop it back. We're going to go back a couple of steps on the, on the training pyramid. My daughter is a slow twitch type. She doesn't have a lot of natural speed. She's got great endurance, but not a lot of speed. So we're going to work on speed. You know, we're going to say, we're going to do first some heavy strength training and then we're going to do some specific strength uh, speed sessions and just build speed for her as a resource as a runner that we and we think that down the road that that's going to tie into better performances for her so we're just kind of you got, you might say we're going back to some supplemental physical resources uh, and i think this is kind of where we part of what we can talk about for our cyclists is Okay, you know, what are, if we do an analysis of this athlete, or if I do an analysis of myself, if I had, norm, you know, I normally wouldn't have time because I'm in the heat of the season, but now I've got time. If I had six weeks to fix a problem or to correct or get better at some specific hole in my overall capacity, what would it be? You know, where would I use that six weeks or maybe it's going to be more than six weeks, but you know, a cycle of training. Yeah. This is a perfect opportunity for people to practice reframing because this is such a disruptive time and you could wallow in that, or you could reframe it and say, man, this is an incredible opportunity. I have to do something different to take this um, embrace it and say, yeah, I'm going to reinvent myself in these ways or work on these things that I've always neglected and just see it as a, a positive. So I think it's, um, you know, you just change that mindset a little bit and it becomes a very encouraging thing if you can look at it the right way. So I think it's great for us to dive into how people can do that. 
We have uh, talked many times on the show that cycling is an imbalanced sport. And I can tell you as a coach how often when you have athletes that are doing a lot of racing, doing a lot of training, that by the end of the season, you're just trying to keep them together with, with chewing gum and, and duct tape. And then you have this quick off season to try to get them back in balance, try to get their body healthy before you go through that again. Here's a great opportunity to say, I'm actually going to get my body very healthy this year. And I have a lot of time to do it. Great segue into taking those goals you've set for yourself and building a plan around them. So maybe we could walk through some some different scenarios. First thing I want to say, I've heard a lot of people say, well, obviously now what you do is you go back to base training, which for most of us, that probably is a solution. But I, I'm going to take a step back and say, first, you need to set those goals. Yeah, you can go back to base training, but the, the question then is, what are you trying to accomplish? And it might not be accomplishing exactly what you want to accomplish. First, identify those goals and then figure out what's, what's the path to get there. For example, and we'll go through these different scenarios. For some people say, you know what, I just need an accomplishment. I need a stress relief. So they're going to set one of those uh, novel goals and say, I, I, I want to hit a new number or I, I want to get a KOM, then going back to base training might not be the best approach. You might want to say, okay, I, I'm still going to train as I was before. It's just going to be a lot of it's on the trainer. And instead of now having a, a race event that was the target, you might say, okay, I'm going to go for this Strava KOM on that date that my race was going to be. Or you might pick a, a series of, uh, you know, Zwift right now has a whole bunch of race series going on. You might pick some of those and say, I really want to race those and actually continue with the training plan that you had. There are two paths here or two justifiable goals. The one is the more logical, how do I restructure? How do I fix some weaknesses? How do I be very thoughtful about my process? And the other is, man, I'm stressed out here. Yep. <laughs> I need a release. And both of those are legitimate, I think. And, and probably to a certain extent, we need to allow for both of them to happen. You know, it's, it's like this guy Canova, uh, the uh, running coach said, look, sometimes athletes are going to, they're not going to do what you said, that you were going to run easy and they just take off and the run becomes a race. And he says, and that's okay, you know, because that's what they are. They're competitive people. They are racers. But then we just have to adjust the next couple of days. Why I think we're in that situation now is we're going to have some, some times when our athletes or, uh, or I, I just say, man, I, I want to just blow and go. I, mm -hmm. I want to do a Zwift full blown 20 minute, you know, something to the wall race because <laughs> I need it. I need to feel, you know, I got, I need the, the, to feel that rush and then I'll deal with the consequences of that in my training in the next couple of days. And that to me, again, goes back to the goals. And I think that's a fantastic point. And that's what I've been noticing with my athletes. I've had this conversation with every one of my athletes about how to adjust. And I don't think it's an automatic one answer. Let's go back to base training. In the case of myself, that was exactly the answer. My base season didn't go as I had planned. I wasn't where I, you know, had it been a normal season, I was not where I wanted to be in March. So I went, great, I, I got a chance to go back and, and keep building my level. And if there's not a single race this year, still great, because last couple of years, my level hasn't been where I want it. So I'm just going to do a whole year of base and, and try to get my level up. That's great for me. I have another athlete who is unfortunately on the form of his life. He had a really great base season. He was so excited to be racing in, in April. And, and he is experiencing that loss. Um, for years, I, I was encouraging him to get on Zwift. He lives up in Toronto and it's horrible weather up there. And he would just sit on a trainer staring at a wall. And for years, he would just go, nope, not going to try Zwift. This year, a couple of weeks ago, he finally went, okay, I'm signing up. Let's give it a try. And on Saturday, he did three Zwift races. Wow. And normally I would go, that, that wasn't the best training, but this was a recognition of he just needed that. Right. Pent up energy released like a caged animal. 
getting it out. Yep. And if you do your Zwift, if you use Zwift right, you can actually, you know, like races can be surrogate tests. Like I found a Crit City race that lasts almost precisely 20 minutes. And I just said, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this just as hard as I can. And then I'm going to figure out what, what's my current 20 minute power, you know, <laughs> and it worked great. Yep. And I was highly motivated. I, and I just busted it for what I had, you know, it was what I had to give and it was highly motivating and I got a good 20 minute power value. So, you know, we can kind of accomplish two things with at once. If we look around a bit on, on Zwift and find the right events, the right situation and so forth. Now, the thing I am going to bring up, if you're one of these, I need a goal right now, I, I need a PR, or I just need to get on Zwift and race my guts out. Remember, physiological rules still apply. You can't be racing doing that sort of intensity. First of all, I am concerned. I'm seeing people on, on Zwift racing five, six times a week. That's oh, yeah. not sustainable at all. No. But even if you do set these goals, remember, again, you can't be on race form indefinitely. So if you're doing this, get it out of your system. Set that, that Strava goal or that PR goal for sometime in, in April or early May. Do that race series in April, whatever that, that novel goal is. But then you're still going to have to plan a time to say, I'm going to back down and go back to some, some good base work because I can't sustain that. You know, it's like a, it's like a, high, a sharpened sword or a knife. When it's at its absolute sharpest, it's also at its most fragile. You know, that edge is not going to stay uh, perfect very long. And, and so when we peak, you know, as athletes or we peak our athletes as coaches, it is a fresh fruit situation. It will go away. It will fade. Uh, and that has to be uh, some, you know, part of the understanding of the process. And my daughter's dealt with that now in March, you know, this, this peak fitness suddenly, you know, you don't know it, it, it fades quickly you know and, and mentally she took a, a knock so that that didn't help either so i would i would definitely like you say i would really avoid or or get it out of your system if you need to do five races in a week okay but then let's get back to basics because uh, i think that's going to be one of the biggest risks right now is that athletes are going to um, decrease total volume the and and we're doing we've actually uh, i put out a questionnaire that has 800 responses now or closer to 900 now and and the tendency so far is is that the longest rides are getting shorter interval training is it's for it's going two different directions some are doing less but some are doing more um, so there are some changes that are happening in the overall intensity distribution of training because of the indoor push, you know, that volume, those long, easy rides, those are tending to get a bit shorter. And when that happens, they also tend to get more intensity. You know how that works. So that's the thing we have to work against is that this, uh, I would say that this situation we're in now with the the quarantine indoor training is a perfect recipe for that black hole kind of situation where you, uh, you know, every workout ends up being pretty damn hard. So let's talk about that for those athletes who say, you know what, I don't need to go and throttle myself on, on Zwift or, or be cool or one of those tools right now. And I want to get back to just training, raising my, my level. How do we do that? In, in this landscape where you are at home for a lot of people they're stuck on their trainer pretty much all the time um what are your thoughts what are your suggestions do you try to put the volume in on the trainer or is that a, a bad situation and, and you need to drop the volume but adjust in other ways what are your thoughts well we're actually we're doing a little study on that uh uh, trying to make lemonade out of lemons right now, since I have access or I have, you know, contact with a lot of 
serious age groupers and even some professionals. Uh, I've got a group of people that are doing, they're going to be doing a four hour ride indoors. And then they're going to be doing two, two hour rides indoors. And so we've kind of, you know, we've structured everything with a, a research protocol and they are all following all these rules. And the, in the course of April, they'll do these rides. And, and so we're kind of trying to look at how these two scenarios compare, you know, the traditional cycling, you know, is, is often the long, the one session, the one long training session versus two uh, daily sessions, which is very typical in other sports like running and rowing and cross-country skiing. So I think perhaps one of the things that people can do when they're stuck indoors anyway is, um, let's just call it experiment a little bit with themselves. It doesn't have to be an experiment with Steven Seiler, but it can be that, that we use the time to say, you know what, I, I'm on the trainer. I can get really good information. I, you know, it's, it's pretty stable, the power and the heart rate and my drinking and everything. And so I'm going to do some longer rides. I'm also going to try some doubles and see how my body responds. So that would be one way I would think about, you know, using this time is to explore some of these things we normally wouldn't have time to explore. You were pointing out that um, two-a-days work in these other sports. And I was curious if you, you know, you kind of backed, backed away from that and said, this is now a time to sort of work on your ability to ride for five hours instead of breaking it up into two. But I'm just curious as to how it is most effectively uh, executed when you do two a days and why it works in those other sports so, so well. But right. again, maybe that's a question for a, a different podcast when you get some more data on this to, to speak to. One difference, you know, a rower is always competing for six or seven minutes, not five hours. So they do, you know, there's probably some significant diminishing return for some of these athletes, rowers, cross-country skiers that are competing for 30 minutes and so forth, as to just how long does the longest session need to be to achieve the adaptations that are relevant for the competition. And, and cycling is, you know, along with triathlon, it, it, the, these are scenarios where you actually are sitting in the bike seat for five hours. So it makes sense that you also do that at least occasionally in training. In almost every situation, we tend to say, we're not going to do anything in racing that we haven't done in training. From that standpoint, I would think that maybe cycling is a bit different, that you do need some saddle time, you know, that those longer rides, but I don't think you need it you know, I think maybe during this indoor period, if I was kind of maybe sounded a bit wishy-washy, but I, I would probably replace maybe most of those five-hour rides with a two times two or two times two and a half, but not all of them. Would each of those rides be about the same level of intensity? Uh, it's a good question. We There is some research that's been done. There was a guy named Ola Ronson in Norway that did uh, published uh, uh, several studies where they did two time two two different sessions, either three or six hours apart. They were at about seventy five percent, so they were kind of, you know, pretty tough, long, or pretty tough, steady state ride. Or, uh, yeah, they were rides. Um, and the second one, invariably, is there's a greater stress, greater you know, uh, cortisol response, immune system, everything, it, it's more stressful. So you don't fully recover. It, it is, you know, it's not exactly, it's not the same as just doing five hours, but it is, it's also not, you're not starting at zero when you do that second ride. So, that, so that's worth noting. And, and obviously you can also manipulate how much that second ride stresses you with your recovery time that you give yourself because there's a difference between three hour and six hour if if you say well i you know i want this to be pretty tough then you just shorten down the recovery time between the two rides and it maybe it's mentally more manageable but you're still getting a, a pretty significant 
component or portion of that effect of the five hour ride that you would normally do because you you don't start at zero all the data shows that that second ride you are already you're still uh, you know let's just say you're still recovering so you're stressed more in the second ride I can tell you some of the things I've been doing myself and, and just some of the, the, the lessons I've learned is, first of all, if your focus here is training and improving your level, if you've gone back to, to more base style training, you, you still need to follow the rules. Two at the, the most interval sessions per week, don't be doing the, the five Zwift races per week. Again, that's just not good training. And so I, I've been doing that. Um, I, I have my two interval sessions during the week. One of the things I've started doing is mentally I'm finding just straight up intervals tougher. I find a need for a social aspect. So what I actually do is instead of doing my usual four by eight minute thresholds, I'll do two by eight or three by eight and then jump into a Zwift race. So it's kind of a, it's a mix. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of interval work. And then I'll go and get some intensity with a bit of a social aspect. And it just makes for a more enjoyable ride. I just have to cut in here and say, I think that's a great idea. But since I'm not as powerful as you, I would do it the opposite way. I would race first, you know, and then limp away and do some more intervals where no one can see me. Um, But that's, you know, that's another way to go. The, the reason I do it that way is honestly that I am just not motivated right now for interval work. So I know if I go and do the race, I'm not going to do the intervals after. <laughs> okay. If I'm tired, I'm just not going to do the intervals. Where if I do a couple intervals, but I'm not blowing, I'm still motivated to hop into the race. So that, that's my reasoning for the order in which I do it. Yeah. In. But, I, but I get that. Another just interesting thing that I've discovered... I've been on Zwift for years. I love Zwift. Zwift is entirely designed around being social, around group rides, around training races, which I find if I get on Zwift, I'm going hard. And so I have been reluctant to get on it every day. Even when I just go, okay, I'm going to do an easy ride on Zwift. A big group passes me. Next thing you know, I'm in that group doing 300 watts and ignoring everything I had said I was going to do that day. So I have personally actually signed up for another app um, called Be Cool, but I've tried a bunch. So there's Be Cool, there's RGT, there, there's Rovi. And what I like about them is they have rides all over the place. Like, like you, you can do video rides. You can, they, they do 3D rendering of, of rides that you upload. Uh, which, so like I said, I, I ultimately ended up signing up for Be Cool um, I kind of like getting on that and going riding somewhere in the world I, I haven't ridden or riding places that I don't live anymore where I know the roads. Um, and since there's no other people riding with me, uh, I get to explore, I get to have some fun, uh, but there's no temptation to suddenly race people as they, they blow by you. So on the, the days when I don't want to go hard, I actually use that app instead of, uh, instead of Zwift. See, I think that's a great idea, but I'm such a control freak, I guess, that I would say, well, <laughs> no, I got to keep doing Zwift because that's where all my kilometers are. You know, you know so, <laughs> that's so what I end up doing to achieve the same thing that you're talking about, which is to um, avoid chasing squirrels, is one thing I figured I found out is if I get on a mountain bike, I've given myself a license to just chill. Uh, in other words, I put myself in a situation where I'm not expected to go fast. I'm not, I shouldn't be jumping in with that group that's flying by. And I probably won't be able to because the, the mountain bike doesn't go fast enough. So there's different things we can do. And I also listen to audiobooks when I want to have uh, low intensity sessions. So I create a setting. You know, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to do my usual uh, rock stars of the 70s uh, playlist. <laughs> I, I, you know, I do instead something pretty mellow and get on that mountain bike and, you know, just do different things that say, look, I'm, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing a three hour steady state ride and I'm 
listening to some, you know, a new book or whatever. Uh, so I think there are different ways that we can kind of contextualize the workout and make it easier to avoid falling into that, um, you know, group ride, half wheeling kind of thing that happens so often. And that's great advice. But I, I have to ask, what is on Jay-Z's playlist <laughs> when, you, when you do want to go hard? Well, you know, I'm in my 50s, so you know, that my music is like late 70s and 80s. I'm right so there with you. You always go back to your you go back to your teenage years. And so I'm, I'm serious into Van Halen, into Led Zeppelin, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, and then occasionally I'll go over to more some, you know, MC Hammer. Wow. So yeah, wow. it's, it's embarrassing. So what about the long ride? Because obviously even on something like Zwift, Five hours on Zwift is very different from five hours out on the road. And I know that's part of why you're doing your study. Well, one of the things that's very different, the obvious thing is it's boring as hell. Uh, I get that. Uh, or it can be, you know. But the other more physiological difference that's a bit interesting is that indoors on a trainer, there is you just don't have all the zero watt coasting. You don't have the dead time. You have continuous tension on the muscle and and uh when we look at ride files i've looked at rides from you know pro cyclists the best around and 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 when they do these super long rides they are amazing but there is easily 20 percent of their total time is under 50 watts sometimes even more so you know coming down mountains behind the wheel all this stuff so a lot of that goes away when you're indoors and in some ways you could say that the quality or quality in, in quotes of those long rides there's or a, there's a different density let's call it density to the the load on the muscle and that may not necessarily be a bad thing, but then you, you just have to focus. It, it does make a four hour ride more demanding to, you know, to never coast to you. There's, you know, no dead space in that four hour ride. This is where, and again, I'm really excited to see the results of your study, but thinking about it from the mental standpoint and, and how, as you said, it's boring, it's tough four or five hours, even when you have a tool like, like Zwift or Be Cool, um, can be a struggle. This is where if you want to get that extra volume in, it might be a good idea to start considering, okay, I want to do four or five hours on Sunday, but I'm going to do two and a half hours in the morning and, and, two, and a, two hours in the afternoon, something like that, and, and break it up. Yeah, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, it works in running, it works in rowing. It works in, uh, you know, a lot of cross-country skiing. So I, I think we can make a fairly logical jump and say that's a, that's a good, that's a viable alternative to, to split it up and get the total volume. And, and we're, you're going to get at least a big percentage of the total effect uh, in terms of training adaptation. And then once, once you're able to get back out on the road, it's not going to take very long to consolidate that and, and, and have, you know, be able to handle the five hour ride. So I think that's a viable alternative. If the four hour just keep, you know, just is mentally <laughs> undoable. I would still say it's, it's a, it, that also can be a good goal to have is to, is to tolerate the long ride under these conditions that are a little bit sensory deprivation, you know, cause you kind of, you learn to get inside your, your own head and, and listen to your body in, in a different way. So maybe that's another one of those goals that we can have a supplemental goal is to use this time to, to really understand how, you know, how our mind and body are connected during those long efforts. Continuing with that, if you are a, a grand fondo rider, or you like the, those long gravel races. You might not have one this year, but a lot of what those races come down to is your ability to persevere. And I can tell you, if you can get on the trainer 
and persevere for five hours. Hopping into a 110-mile Grand Fondo is going to feel mentally easy by comparison. We're, we're touching on some things that we can do. You know, the Zen, sometimes we need to think Zen. You know, how can we, it's almost like a, a meditation uh, exercise, is how do you deal with uh, this steady state scenario of, over multiple hours and, and keep your head in the in the game in in an appropriate way so i i I, i'm optimistic that we can come out of this period with some skills both mental skills and then of course the physical adaptations so that you know folks this is going to go away we are going to see another day where you know racing is back and it's going to be a joyous time uh so I, I, I choose to not be pessimistic, to not be down in the dumps, uh, because time does heal. And this, we're going we're gonna to get through all this. And some of us, I think you can come out of this on the other end with some new skills and some new understanding of your, your body and your brain that will serve you well in 2021 and, and thereafter. That's that's a very positive note, and I do really like that. And just the last thing I wanted to bring up in the training, which kind of continues from that, is if if you are feeling that that optimism and your the goals that you set now are to improve some aspect of your fitness, looking ahead to the to the next year, the last recommendation that that I want to give is you know first of all pick what that aspect is that you want to improve and since this is a cycling podcast i know a lot of people are thinking oh i'm going to get my best fdp ever Um, but you could do that you could work on your sprint you could work on jump you could work on your base endurance lots of things you could work on but give yourself a test so if you're a simple one here is if you want to raise your fdp create the plan for it uh, do the right training but this is where you should say every month or every six weeks, I'm going to do an hour time trial on Zwift and see where my true FTP is at. Hallelujah. Yep. 60 minutes, man. 60 minutes of power. <laughs> now is the perfect time to embrace the hour of power. And we haven't discussed this, but I'm just going to speak for Dr. Seiler here. He will volunteer to do it with every single one of you, just to give you that moral support. You might have to tolerate Van Halen's uh, album right. choice. Ozzy Osbourne's greatest hits. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, so it'll be a, it'll be a musical uh, extravaganza. Trevor, I know you wanted to end with some thoughts on the... Uh, training and and stress that training puts on the immune system and those effects and and why it's so important right now to to pay attention to that side of of the equation so why don't you address that so i'm going to use a term here that chris i know you really like which is uh, hermesis even though i can never pronounce it but it is important to remember that exercise, depending on, on the level of exercise you're doing, can have different effects on your immune system. So a little bit of exercise actually strengthens your immune system and can be quite beneficial. So even when somebody's sick, just doing a little bit of exercise can actually help their body fight it. And particularly keeping up some level of exercise can help prevent you from getting sick. But there is definitely a a crossover effect where at some point exercise is fatiguing, it's damaging, and it's actually going to weaken your immune system. And that's something everybody should be very careful about right now, especially if you're in areas where there is a bigger risk of being exposed and getting sick. So, for example, I have an athlete who, who lives in D.C. He lives right in the city. So it's hard for him to completely isolate himself. We were going to do a big training camp this week, and we had a real heart-to-heart about it because he was excited for the camp. He really wanted to do it. And I said, you really need to think about that because this training camp, doing 25 hours in a week, is going to weaken your immune system, and that's going to put you at risk. So we ultimately decided not to do the camp. 
Yeah, I think we're, I mean, we got to just be honest. The, 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 statistically speaking, there's a pretty darn good chance that at least one of us three and maybe two of us three are going to end up getting this, uh, contracting this uh, virus. Um, and, and that's just the reality over the next months that it will impact a large percentage of the, of the population. So um, I, I, I agree. I think we need to be really sensitive to that. If I were a healthcare worker right now, I don't think I'd be doing a lot of interval training at home um, and then going into the fire, into such a hot zone uh, as we know our healthcare workers are dealing with versus me right now in my setting in Norway, I'm probably exposed to fewer uh, pathogens than I have been in years because I am so isolated. Uh, I could probably kick my own butt in training and not be at risk because I'm just almost not meeting other humans um, in, a, in this shutdown. So it really is, you know, the, 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 the situations are different and we really need to pay attention. I agree with you totally for your athlete. You know, if you're in a, a densely populated area, you're not able to physically distance. I think we need to err on the side of caution. And I would take it as far as to say, when you're planning your, your grocery run trips, when you're planning times when you are going to be more exposed, work your training around that. If you do that five hour ride on Zwift, going to the grocery store afterwards is a bad idea. Right. Yeah. Cause this immune, the immune response window, you know, where you do have a, a window of vulnerability, it is, you know, often a period of a couple hours after these hard efforts. So I think you, that's a good point is that you can, you can kind of steer away from exposure during those windows of, of risk. In general, a talk I have with athletes I train all the time, what kills me is the six-hour ride coffee shop ride where an athlete will go out with some buddies, they'll kill each other for six hours and then go hang out at the coffee shop for an hour. I always tell my athletes, if you're trying to get sick, boy, you're doing a good job. The only other thing, I guess, is that the immune system is also influenced by mood, by or, you know, it's positive to have interactions. So there's a, there is, it's a complicated, um, multivariable issue right now. And, and things that give us some joy, things, you know, the music, whether it's Ozzy Osbourne for me or a sunrise or whatever, those also impact the immune system. So I, I think we have to, you know, give each other a little, slack uh, and I, that that in itself can be good for us good for our health oh i agree this, this is a time when see this with my athletes they they do some things that i know right now they they need to for, for the mental side to feel good that I, I look at and say in a normal year i'd go yeah that wasn't very smart training you probably shouldn't have done that and right now i just go did you enjoy it they go yep i went great yeah and people are concerned about their economic situa situation they've got kids you know so there's a lot going on and, and uh in the big scheme of things uh i i suspect that the the physiological little variations that we can do on the training yeah you know that's what i'm pretty good at and that's what i like to talk about but when it comes to getting on the on the onto the other side of this or getting through this I suspect that those little moments of, of humor, of, of levity, of, of joy, they may be even more important than which interval sessions we do. I think that's a perfect way to segue into what we like to do to close out the show each day or each episode, which is our 60-second take-homes. Trevor, let's start with you. What, uh, what would you like people to take away from this episode? how to adjust to this new reality where m many of us are stuck at home or everything uh, seems to be quite disrupted in our lives and in our uh, training pursuits. I'm going to make mine five seconds. Listen to Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only do it for five seconds too and then, and then choose something better. 
Well, I'm just happy that if if I can be more associated with Aussie and less associated with uh, Jay Z, then I have accomplished something. Okay. Wow, we, we, that's a good okay. point. We will refer to you as the, the Aussie, Aussie Osborne, Osborne of of exercise fizz from now on. But but no biting the head off bats during the show. No, yeah, no. don't do that. That would compromise your immune system. I I've actually seen Aussie in concert re- fairly recently, a few years back here in Norway, and. They almost had to wheel him out. You know, yeah, I bet. Yeah, so I, I don't really want to be compared with him too, too much. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll refer to you as if we're referring to Ozzy in his prime. Yes. So okay, thanks. He thanks. is also possibly Certainly. the only singer in history who you can understand better when he's singing than when he's talking. <laughs> yes, this is very true. Okay, so my real one minute. Um, I'm going to go a completely different place because we, we, I think we gave a lot of practical advice throughout. Um, I'm just going to talk about the being stuck at home side because I was, back when I was racing full time, I did freelance website development to get by and I, I coached from home. So I've spent many years working from home and, and know the ins and outs of that. And, and what I will say to people is, doing conference calls in your pjs is really fun for about a week and then it wears on you so the bit of advice i want to give is as humans we need and like a little bit of structure and you do need to build that into your day if you're stuck at home when i was at home being a freelancer i had a dedicated space that's where i worked i mapped out my day because i needed to um, otherwise, I never really knew when I was in work mode versus uh, home mode. So I had my time when I started working. I had my times when I wasn't working. I also found setting a time when I would exercise really helped to give that structure. So that's not really training advice, but it's just talking as experience from somebody who worked from home for a very long time add that structure and make the training part of that structure. It'll really help you get through a lot of this. You know, I'm coming up on 55 years old and I have never experienced anything like this in my life. I've been through the cold war. I've experienced a missile silo blow up 20 kilometers from where I live and, you know, and, and think that maybe a nuclear warhead was about to explode. And this was in Arkansas. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've experienced some weird stuff, but this is a, you know, a, a, a unique time in our history. And, but, but we're going to get through it. And I guess what I would say is the same thing I've said to my daughter recently. And that is, Hey, right now it's okay to be kind to yourself. You know, we, the people who are listening to this this podcast are are structured. We know that they are goal oriented. We know that they they do all that stuff. That they're gonna. I don't think we have to tell them to be goal oriented or structured too much because we kind of that's who we appeal to in this endurance world. So I think maybe what we what's more uh, needed right now is actually to give ourselves a bit of a break because the situation is tough. We get that. And and so, OK, we're going to get through it, but let's be a little bit kind to ourselves and, um, you know, remember that in the big scheme of things, our FTP or that big race may not be as important as we we used to think it was. Yeah, I would just close with um, the idea here. And, and I have, I'm fortunate, I have the luxury to be able to feel, um, you know, more isolated than normal, but relatively um, calm about the situation because of where I live, the remoteness of it. So I'm actually trying to be very positive about this time, embrace the disruption as an opportunity for for something fresh and, and new. And, and I think that's great. If you, if you have the opportunity to do that, if the circumstances are such that you can safely, um, you know, modify things or just 
just take this disruption and turn it on its head and make it a positive thing. I think it's a great time to experiment, try new things, whether that's within cycling or, or outside of cycling and look at this as a positive thing. I can't think you can actually, and I don't, I, I, I want to stress that I'm not trying to uh, belittle uh, or, or, make make light of anybody else's situation out there because we're all dealing with this differently and, and have different situations. But this can be a, a really rewarding time if you look at it in a, a different way. Hmm. That was another episode of Fast Talk. As always, we love your feedback. Email us at fasttalk at fastlabs.com or call and leave us a voicemail. The number is 719 2112. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts and be sure to leave us a rating and a review. Those things are the key to helping others find Fast Talk. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. For Dr. Steven Seiler and Trevor Connor, I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening. Fast Talk.